Welcome to another episode of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler, and in this episode, we are going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. So I was going to say I'm excited, but I'm not allowed to say that I'm excited. So um, I'm going to be ecstatic. I'm going to be elated. I'm really jazzed. Um, my guest today, I actually was on her podcast um, a couple months ago, and it was awesome, and she's amazing. Um, I have with me Stephanie Michelle, um, who is the star of the podcast and YouTube series, um, Relatable. Um, it's a weekly um, st- live stream show spot- spotlighting the ex- exceptional human encounters, um, people who make them happen and actions it takes to create them. Um, it's an amazing show, so I definitely recommend you listening in. Um, Stephanie is also a certified behavioral analyst, which I'm just wondering if you get to like analyze if people are behaving badly or like how does one become a behavioral analyst? behavioral analyst it's definitely something that i don't include on a dating profile because people do not want to know that their behavior is being analyzed (laughs) it's just not good it's a date killer yeah it's a it's basically about uh, looking at patterns in human nature and 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 sometimes i'm pointing that out to you know executives in a work situation and saying hey you know you got to modify this pattern if you want change um i try not to do it in personal relationships but (laughs) To be honest, I can't turn it off. It's like <laughs> yeah. I'm watching you. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. And then, um, and so, um, and so, you did a lot of work around that. You've done NLP, yeah. um, and you're certified in that. And you've you founded No Text or Next. Yes, yeah. So I had the pleasure of being catfished, and I kind of I knew it was happening, and I'm like, let's see how far this guy's going to go. Oh wow! Okay. And so I wrote an article for Huff- Huffington Post, and it's actually. The most Googled article about catfishing out there. So if you Google, I was catfished, my article comes up. And in that, I said, you know, I, I don't want to blame the person or even the the tech, you know, the, the online dating apps. I really blame the fact that we use text for the, you know, the for everything. We text way too much. We use it as like a, the means for all communication and so no text or next is a pledge to just say, hey, you know, let's let's stand for good communication and just text a little less. And what's so cool about it, Bob, is I do nothing to promote that. And people all over the world take that pledge every week. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome and also sad because I hear their stories and how people are frustrated with like, oh, God, I just want to get in front of a person and see their eyes and like connect. Yeah. And yeah. why do you think that is that um, we're more comfortable looking at our phones? I, I think it, it's a pattern, you know. It's it's the social norm. We accept it that 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 this form of communication is what we're going to use for everything, and the phone's doing a little bit of a brain game on us as well. Like it starts to create a pattern where we're being rewarded when we send a text and we're waiting for that person to respond to us. So that little bit of dopamine's going off, and then you kind of get into a pattern of like, well, I'm going to create action. That creates something coming back to me because I'm actually addicted to that interaction. So it's, uh, yeah, it's the, the phone's hacking our brains. Well, I think the thing that drives me crazy because I'm a, I'm real particular about spelling words correctly and using yeah. them in the right context. Yeah. So, and everybody does their texting through talking to their phone, which I rarely do, but I'm trying to because I, I don't have mouse fingers yeah. and I can't type like other people that can, mm-hmm. you know, type essays in like three seconds. Yeah. Um, 
but it drives me it's i feel like it's dumbing us down it is it absolutely is i mean sometimes voice to text is funny and i just send those anyways because it's like that's so hilarious what it just typed out but yeah it is dumbing us down Oh, man. And then you also have uh, – your company is called Social Bling. Mm-hmm. And how did you come to that name? I, You know, I, I came to that name because I really believe the people are our bling. You know, my relationships, the people that I trust, my friendships, the people that, you know, that I could rely on, that's my bling. And I really wanted to promote that, that like without relationships and even in a, a business situation, I mean, without loyal relationships, it's really hard to build a business model. So social is bling. All right, I love it. And what inspired you to get um, to get involved in educating people, to start these conversations, to have relatable conversations? Yeah. Like this, this is going to connect to money issues so quickly. <laughs> uh, but I, I say that you know, the pivotal moment in my life I was about uh, ten years old. Um, rocking i remember rocking with this ewok stuffed animal that i just got behind the christmas trees that kind of gives you an idea of my age uh (laughs) and i remember listening to my mom and my stepdad at the time fighting and they didn't know that i was in the room and uh and they were arguing and they were saying names to each other and i just felt like there's just got to be a better way than this 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 just can't be how it's done and and so i i really believe at that moment i started to become fascinated with the human language and how we use it to communicate with each other and how it could be better used to really connect. Because I believe that we are hardwired for connection and, you know, and communication is the tool that allows that to happen. And if we're not using our words wisely, then that connection is not happening. Yeah. It's interesting because I think when it comes to money, um, a lot of what I would what I don't call it money conversation is really a money confrontation. And I, one of the things with clients I'll ask when they come in and go, you know, tell us which one's right. Cause yeah. uh, dinner's riding on it. Yeah. And I'll ask them, Hey, are you guys on the same team or are you adversaries? Yeah. And I'll get this look and then sometimes a grin of, Oh my gosh, we've been adversaries. Yeah. And, and, and so it's, it's hard um, to have these conversations. Did your parents um, and your stepdad or your mom have conversations with you around money? Absolutely not. No. I mean, I, we heard it. You know, we were the kids that it's better to be uh, seen in unheard kind of <laughs> situation. Right. But we would hear arguments about fighting, you know, fighting around money all the time. And and then, you know, I remember asking for things and like how that was always confrontational. Like it was all, any conversation around money was always confrontational. And then, you know, my, my parents were divorced when I was uh, 10 years old. And I remember my dad, he kind of got the short end of the stick in terms of the divorce and how things were handled. And, uh, and he'd say things like money doesn't buy love. And he doesn't buy happiness because he didn't have any, you know, right. like he's really, but he looked miserable too, you know, right. so uh, right. I, I just, there's always been a connection between bad things and money mm-hmm. in my head. Wow. Yeah. And do you, um, did you believe him when he said love doesn't, money doesn't buy love? Did you believe him or is there a part of that you said, you know, you're just saying that? I, no, I believed him. I believed him. And I, and I you know, on the, on the flip side of this coin, I mean, I, I pursue love and not in just like an intimate way, but really, um, you know, love for my surroundings, love for, for my friends, love for my situation. You know, I pursue it in a way that I think it is the most amazing thing, you know, that leaning towards love is, 
you know, we all need more of it, right? Right. Um, so I believed him. You know, I, I definitely believed him on that. Were there any mantras um, that you remember as a kid? Um, what you should and shouldn't do when it comes to money and riches and yeah, I mean, I remember hearing uh, money doesn't grow on trees all the time. You know, when you're asking for something, like, can we please have this? Which now seems like, like so, the things that we would ask for, like clothes or whatever. We didn't have thousand dollar phones, you know. Right, but, right. But, uh, it seemed kind of small. Um, that one for sure. Uh, what else? That one I think is the one that I heard the most. Yeah, money doesn't grow on trees. And do you think with um, with your with your parents, did you see them do things financially that were different than what they were telling you? Or were they pretty? No, you know, so they were very protective. Like they're you know, this. This will not surprise you when I say this. Like there was zero communication. You know, <laughs> there, there was zero communication about anything. Uh, you know, childhood was rough. Um, that divorce was rough. The aftermath of that divorce was even more rough. Um, but nobody talked to us. You know, nobody talked to us to say, hey, this is what's going on. A lot of whispered talks. Right. You know, like, leave the room. You can't hear this. So I had no idea. Like, I really don't know how hard my parents worked right. to um, to provide us things. I, re- I don't know that. I don't know what their struggles were. I don't know what they worried about. Um, I just know that money was an issue. Right. Yeah. Did you get an allowance? We did not get an allowance. You did not? No. When – do you remember the first time you actually got some money that was your money? Yeah. So I started working when I was like 15 years old. Okay. Yeah. I've always like – yeah. I, I I mean I – no, I'll take that back because I babysat. So I had money from babysitting. But as soon as I could drive, I worked. I had a part-time job in the mall. Oh, cool. Yeah. And what did you do with the money from the mall? Uh, you know, that's really, I have no memory of this. This is interesting. Like, um, I think that I would, like, I've always bought clothes, you know, I'm kind of a girl that likes fashion. So if anything, I'd probably buy a shirt and, and this is this, I'm sure it was this because my mother worked for JCPenney's like our entire life. Right. And so when school, school time came around for new clothes, we'd have to go to JCPenney's. But JCPenney's was not cool. Right. You know, it was the limited at the time. Like, I wanted clothes from the limited. That's right. what was cool. That's what everybody else was wearing. So I suspect I bought shirts or something from the limited with that money. Now, did you work at the limited? No. Okay. So because two of my sisters worked for uh, women's apparel and they would – you know, but I get 25% yeah. off or 50%, yeah. whatever, and their whole paycheck. I've been in that situation before, though. <laughs> I have definitely worked retail, uh, you know, to go through, I paid through college, paid my way through college. I definitely would do that. Definitely would do that. Yeah. And, do you, and do you remember, like, okay, so after you got the money when you were working at 15, mm-hmm. and then you, you went through college, mm-hmm. um, and then you got a real job, mm-hmm. um, did you start immediately putting away 10%, 20% no. and you started So this is like this is a lesson that I never you know it never occurred to me to save. Like it never I like I had to really go I had to really get into my adult pants and go yeah. oh yeah you're supposed to save. Like you can't just spend all this money. Yeah. Um but it never occurred to me. It was more like oh I got this job now I need to get stuff, you know. Never occurred to me. Did you ever have that aha moment where, oh, gosh, I have $20,000 worth of debt. Oh, I can't pay the rent. 
oh, I'm in financial crisis. Did any of that ever happen? I've never um, racked up a lot of debt. Uh, you know, I, I, I will get things and kind of, and I'll feel, I feel guilty actually about spending money on myself. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I'm more apt to like, uh, get the little stuff, you know, the coffees every, every day and, but not like splurge on something big and then be paying it off for a long time. Like right. I've been pretty, uh, you know, reasonable about those expenses. But then when I saw like the little expenses, I stopped doing all of that. You know, like the the coffees everywhere. I don't do things like that. Now, do you budget? Do you sort of have a sense of I spend this much month, much I, money a month? I so I have before, but I'm an entrepreneur. So now I have, you know, I I I run my own company. I do the show, which uh, you know sometimes it it makes money and pays for itself, but not necessarily. It's more right. of an expense, a very expensive hobby. Um, so when so saving as an entrepreneur is a little bit tough for me because I'm always looking at like, I want to reinvest. Like I'm right. either taking this training or, you know, I, I want to buy a new piece of equipment. It's much harder to put stuff away when you're an entrepreneur and you're growing something. So I'm not good at it at all right now at all. At all. What's the, what's the hardest thing to spend money on? <sighs> I'd say, What's the hardest thing? I mean, big purchases, something that's big. But I haven't made a big purchase in a while. Like my birthday is this month, and I always like try to buy something for me myself. I don't know what it's going to be. Um, so, well, happy birthday for this you. month. Let me ask you this: Are you one of those folks who you have a birthday and it gets to last the month? Does it get to last the week? Does it get to last the day? It, well, my birthday's two days before Christmas, oh, so, oh, it's, so that's, it's barely that day. Oh, nobody's wow. around, right. you know. Uh, nobody's around to celebrate. Uh, people forget. Do you uh, get a lot of birthday slash yes Christmas gifts. Yes, yes. Oh, it's it's two in one. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's so unfair. That's unfair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially when you have siblings and you'd see that they, you know, they are getting like this pile of presents. And for me, I know when we were kids. It's like, oh, go into the hiding spot for Christmas and just give her something early. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's all the thought that because it, you know, it's it's uh, this is sad, but it's true. Like in, in my uh, December 23rd birthday, people and I know several of them now and even 24th and 25th can relate to this. You have you've been trained to feel that celebrating your birthday is inconvenient for people. Right. Wow. Yeah. Do you still do you still feel a little bit of that? Yeah, but as you get older, like nobody knows how old you are. So <laughs> like it's kind of okay. It's like, oh, when is your birthday again? Oh like, Merry Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Um what um what kind of car do you drive right now and how did you pick it? I don't have a car, Bob. So when I moved to downtown Los Angeles, uh, about six months after I moved, I my lease was up. And I thought, you know, let me try this like ride sharing thing. And uh, um, my office is two blocks from my home. You know, like I felt like I could probably get away with not having a car. And so for the first 90 days, I would watch the expense of that. And I never hit even a third of what the cost was to own the car, car payment, you know, maintenance and all of that. And so I've never gone back. And you feel and does that even now is the inconvenience of once in a while running to just run out and do something? It's. 
No, I mean, at, part of living downtown, like you, you kind of take pleasure in doing things on foot. So gathering your own groceries on foot and hauling that back, you know, your little wheeled bag is kind of liberating. Um, I challenged myself and in, in just as a, to be a good community member to try to like buy everything local anyways. I try not to buy anything from Amazon and the devil Bezos because that's how I feel about them. <laughs> and, and isn't that telling, right? Because again, money is evil, right? That's right. like, it just kind of goes back to my programming. Um, but uh, no, I, I, a couple blocks away, there's a place that I can run a car if I need it. You know, if I want to take a trip out of the week out for the weekend and, I'll do that. But I actually love not having a car right now. No, that's so cool. So, all right, I'm going to go back to something that you just said about the money is yeah, evil. Yeah. Um, so money is evil. What are what are the evil things about money? Well, it just seems to make people really greedy and, mm-hmm. you know, um, rich on, on power and, you know, uh, I don't know. Like, I can't really, I can't separate that. I have not been able to successfully separate that thought in my head. Well, the because... For me, the question always is that I'm sort of putting on yeah. you is there's a thing about um, people with money yeah. are evil. And then at the same time, and maybe you don't, but we all want to have enough money to be comfortable. Absolutely. And so how do we find the balance of actually being allowed to be abundant and be allowed to have financial success and then not be the evil person that we believe we will become. Yeah. And, and so I'm wondering for you, is, is there any awareness of like, I'm over here or I'm, I'm, I'm part of the evil people. Yeah. Like, it's a, 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 to answer this, I've got to go big first. So okay. the, the big thought is we definitely have a wealth issue in our country. And, and you see, like I lived in downtown Los Angeles. I'm really close to Skid Row. The homeless situation is so bad. It's bad. It's so bad. It, there's no dignity for these people. I mean, we're begging for just bathrooms, you know, because the streets right. are so unclean, you know, uh, yeah. unsafe. And so, um, I, I, so I see, like, okay, there is a group of people, a very small group of people that have money and the resources to do things, and they're not doing anything. And so I feel like even in my climb to have enough money to have a good life and be able to donate to the charities that I want to, or get involved in the things that I want to, it's not enough. I could like, I, I, I at this point will not reach a level where I have that kind of wealth where I could actually put a big, make a big dent in, in the situation that we're facing in our country. Um, so I have concerns around that, you know, mm-hmm. that like, well, what is enough? You know, right. like how do you know what's enough? Like, and, and be and and still live and see the things that you see, and be able to do something about it. Do you think that you'll never be that, or it's just not a goal? I I'm not motivated by money. It's yeah. tough, you know. I I'm I'm motivated by love, which is. A really bizarre thing to say. And again, I'm not talking about just intimacy. I'm talking about uh, experiencing the world in a way that you're like, I see you. I, you know, I want to lift you up. I want to be lifted. I want to in every situation, like, you know, be leaning into love as much as I possibly can. Um, So I have to really sit down and write out numbers and things and go, well, you need to be motivated by money right now because you need to take care of these things, right? To actually... Um, to see it come in and and do something with it, and when I do that, it always does. Like I, uh, you know, when I concentrate on it, 
it works out. I just don't concentrate on it. Yeah. Do you find that in the down moments that it gets stressful or do you just, oh, I trust it and it'll work or do? No, I I get depressed about it. Yeah, I get depressed about it. I mean, more so now because I'm middle age, you know, that I'm knowing that I haven't put enough aside, Um, you know, knowing that I've had so much time as an entrepreneur and a self-employed person. So I'm not, you know, I'm not saving or I don't have Social Security like uh, people that have jobs. Um, knowing that I'm going to have to work harder to put that away. Um, yeah, I get to, I, I worry about it. How do you get yourself out of that? Like, how do you, and maybe you don't, maybe you go yeah. to somebody else, but do you self-talk well, the, yourself? Yeah, I do. One of the things that I decided really in the last year, you know, I've been, uh, I do a lot of things on my own, right? I, right. um, run this company. Most of the people that work for me or with me, they're freelance and they're not even all, um, they're never all in one location. They're hardly even in the state. So I have a lot of time in isolation. Um, and I've really realized like, you know, which I should have realized earlier with what I do and what I care about in terms of like, relating and relationships. Uh, but I don't, I cannot do anything alone anymore. Like anything that I'm going to grow, any new ventures that I'm going to take on, I have to have a partner, you know, or more people involved. And so that has helped me quite a bit. I have a business partner right now that came from the insurance business and just is um, fantastic with numbers and really saying, you know, let's do this. Let's not do that. Uh, so that helps me make better decisions. And, and, and I trust him so I can say, hey, you know, I'm feeling vulnerable here. And like, you know, what should I do? I'm making a big decision about um, upgrading my health care right now. I had a really bad experience with the healthcare that I was on and um, actually took a year and did, wouldn't sign up for anything because I didn't feel like I could afford what I wanted. I'm like, I'll be damned if I paid that much for that bad uh, quality of healthcare. Um, so now, you know, I've, I've saved, I took that year off and I'm going to get exactly what I want. Uh, um, so, you know, making the decision of like, well, what does my budget look like next year? Because now I'm, I'm, I'm adding a sizable not you know, sizable expense right. to you know my spreadsheet when you go out with friends um how do you split the check do uh, you sp- just split it evenly yeah i have i have friends that uh, mostly most of my friends were splitting it evenly because we're cautious of like we're all like yeah none of us are gonna uh overindulge and then right. make somebody else pay for it. I don't have friends like that. <laughs> <laughs> I got rid of those friends. <laughs> no. but, but have you ever been with people where somebody wants to go through and I had the dessert, you had a drink? Yeah. Um, and when I don't know the situation or if I'm going to like someone's birthday party and there's going to be different people that I've never met, I always bring cash. So then it's not like in, in change. So I can, you know, I can make my own change. I'm not relying on like one person counting that money and like trusting them. Yeah. Now, if you take somebody out, um, I, I, for whatever reason, I'm fixated on food at the moment. Okay. But uh, if you take somebody out to a restaurant uh-huh. and um, they say they don't want to get the fries yeah. or they don't want the dessert and then you order yours and then they start eating your dessert or your fries, um, does that? No. I mean, if I if they said no, then in my mind, I'm like, well, if I want this bad enough, I have to be willing to pay for all of it. You know, and um, if they take a couple, I don't, I mean, I don't need a lot. <laughs> Somebody takes a couple for, I don't really care too much about that. Uh, so you're pretty easy going. I'm pretty easy going. Yeah. I, and he, and I know why. So like, I thought about this coming in to, to sit with you today. Um, 
I am so terrified of a conflict happening over money ah. that I, you know, I'm the super nice girl that's like, I'm not going to be the one that's going to make a conflict. And, and, I, and I do it with clients, too. Like, I, uh, my nice clients, I don't bill enough. My pain-in-the-ass clients, I have no problem putting a pain-in-the-ass right. fee on that. No problem whatsoever. Right. They're probably the only ones that are actually paying me for what I'm worth. You right. know? But nice clients... I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like argue over, you know, an invoice or, mm-hmm. uh, what's the worst thing that could happen if there's a money confrontation for you? It's a great question. Nothing, you know, and what's so crazy about it, like just sitting here and reflecting on this is I am so skilled in communication. Like I, I can have a difficult conversation and I would feel good about navigating a conversation that's difficult for both people. And we both feel good. At the end, I'm not a you know a difficult person, so I'm skilled in conflict. I could have that conversation and feel good about the outcome of that conversation, but that block about money and evil it is so deep. And, like, and what do you think people will think of you if you said, "Well, this is what I'm worth"? Like, yeah. So, so some of that. So, there's another layer that I think kind of contributes to this, and. It's the whole, uh, you know, double standard of like women being a little bit bossy or, you know, when they demand what they're worth, it's like, oh, there's a different kind of energy that's put on you. Like, right. Uh, it, and I, I remember, I mean, when I was 26, when I was 26 was, was the last time that I uh, worked for somebody else. And it was a really crazy situation. It's a good story uh, about I basically was fired my the owner of the company had a liquid lunch and was just like out of control and he felt like i talked back to him and he fired me and then later said he didn't fire me and i left going i'll eat bugs before i'm treated like this again right now and so there there's something about um and i and i didn't i watched like women at the time um, in their careers and we were all, you know, most of my, my friends from college, like we were all doing really well and we were climbing the ladder pretty quickly. I didn't want to compete like a man. I really like being a woman. I like, I, I like the feminine side of me. Um, Although I'll be the first to say like, I have a ton of masculine energy. I work like a man. I get stuff done like a man, but I'd never, um, but when it comes to like kind of standing up, uh, you know, such a, being a little bit more aggressive like i i uh pull back a little bit which is really i don't i don't even know why i do it (laughs) i really know because again like what i'm hearing myself say is like i would love the reward of navigating the difficult conversation where both of us feel like we did all right you know like i know i trust myself that i'm not just going to do right by myself i'll do right for the other person too and that would feel good coming out on the other side of that. So I, maybe I should create more of them instead of running from them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What would you say is your um, – what are your fears around money? Like if you tap into it, like is it that Im- I might, might have too much? No, immediately the, fr- the word that comes in my head is enough, not enough. Like, you know, you're going to work – or, uh, you know, I've experienced a lot of burnout – in my career, like, cause I do work really hard, you know, I give everything that I got to, you know, whatever projects or work that I take on, uh, you know, so the relationship with that word, it won't be enough or you're like, you'll work this hard and then people will need more of your work or, you know, need more of your time and you'll never get rest or, you know, like the, just the word enough triggers me. Uh, it won't be enough. It won't be enough. Yeah. 
do you something kn- will happen. It something will, go will happen. Ahead. Yeah. And do you know what enough is, though? Do you know? I don't. I have no idea. I really don't. <laughs> I mean, if somebody gave you two hundred thousand dollars, would that feel like uh, that's going to get you a go a long way? So right away, the the entrepreneur, the social entrepreneur in me right away is like, what can I do with that? Like, how can I help this world? Right. Like I would, I would, I could see myself if not in relationship with someone else that's, you know, checking me and that I can talk through it. I actually could see myself spending through that very quickly to try to like create some goodness in this world. Which is is awesome. That's not a bad thing. But if you're on an airplane, are you going to put your air mask on first? I love that. I say this all the time. I have to remind myself all the time. I love that expression about why you put it on yourself first because you can't care for anybody else. And I, I, I have a better relationship with self-care around that concept than I do with money. Mm. Definitely. And do you, I mean, I know money's not the driving thing. Yeah. Um, but, and I know it's partly evil. <laughs> <laughs> In my mind. <laughs> and, um, but how do you, um, and maybe you don't, but is there a place where there is a little bit of a mutual uh, love or appreciation for the money or like, is there a place where you've reconciled that? Okay. Even though if you get too much of it, you could be this. And if I had enough, I could save the world and it's okay to let a little bit more in or. It, it No, I, there isn't in my mind. And, and I think, you know, after watching like what happened in the recession and knowing like good people that really saved and lost everything, uh, like nothing feels safe in this world right, right now to me. I just, I, I wish it, I wish it was different. You know, I'm a very optimistic person. I stay pretty positive all the time. But when I think about the big picture of things or just read the news, I'm like, I'm devastated. Like I, 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 I don't see how things are getting better, you know? Uh, so I don't have, I, I don't have an amount cause I feel like it could easily be taken away or, you know, nothing's certain. Yeah. That's, I mean, it is, do, do, do. I'm sorry. It's not, <laughs> no, it's well, no, I, my parents used to always say life's not fair. And I'm, I'd say, well, I'm okay with that as long as it's not fair in my favor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cause then, mm-hmm. then I, then I feel okay. But yeah, I do think that there's a lot going on in the world that makes it, um, sometimes feel a little bit hopeless. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine um, last night, actually, who said that one of the things that she's doing is getting out and being in community, yeah. volunteering, and things like that, where she's at least in connection with people so that all the stuff in the news and, you know... I, you know, I, what feels safe to me, Bob, now that I'm thinking about this, is... In, is um, I would rather form a real form some sort of group, you know, of friends and peers, and like we decide together, like what we're putting away together. Like we we make smarter decisions because we're coming to the table with di- diverse information and knowledge, and we say, okay, um, let's put this money away. You know, almost create like like a healthcare savings plan, but per- like a personal with a group. Mm-hmm. And and then as you need things to be able to go to talk to that group and go, okay, well, I need it for this. Do you think it's okay? You know, is this the right time to take that money out or you know, do something with it? Like that feels good to me. Like I would want, I, I would want to 
manage, you know, any large amount of money with the help of a group of people um, that are accountable to, you know, making good decisions. Do you use accountability buddies in anything else? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's such a, when, as you're saying that, I thought, gosh, what a great um, idea of having a financial accountable buddy that you can talk to um, or even a group um, and, and, you know, pull from the wisdom of many um, because I think it is such a hard uh, topic for a lot of people. Um, And I know for myself for years, I've, would financially self-sabotage um, and not asking my worth. Yeah. Um, and again, cause something bad was going to come from that. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a hard topic. Yeah. Um, so I know you say that you still like, you don't have a relationship with money. Mm-hmm. Um, are, what are the things that you're doing to try and, cultivate a healthier relationship with money, if anything, or yeah, what are the I, things you think that would for sure. The, the biggest change that I've made is, is like I said, I'm forming partnerships like on the work situation. So right. I don't send a proposal without like weighing in with my partner. That's always like put more money in that, you know, like you can raise the fee. So we, we talk, we dialogue about um, projects, you know, the, uh, the cost of a project, you know, what that proposal looks like before the client gets it. So it's not just me and my insecurities sending that to the client. Cause if I, if it's me and my insecurities, then I'm going to lowball. I right. know that I'm going to do it. But if I have this pep talk with my partner and, and we both look it over, I get pumped up and then I send it and it's always fine. It's, it's really, yeah. honestly, it seems so ridiculous sitting here talking about it because uh, you know, I, I it's not like I just uh, started working yesterday. Like I have a, a good body of work. I, um, you know, people trust me. I get right. good referrals. Like you know, I should be paid for what I'm worth. Yeah. I well, one of the things that I I have a lot of clients that are either therapists or life coaches mm-hmm. and they're consultants. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, they'll say a lot of them will say I don't know if I'm charging enough. And I usually tell them whatever you think you're charging, take it and multiply it by one point two five percent. Like take it up a notch yeah. and almost every single time people come back and say, I didn't get any pushback. Yeah. And, and so, but it's, it's, it's our own yes. mindset that yes. is keeping us from letting it flow. Yeah. And, and, and I almost assume that everybody's um, tight with their money or, you know, like has a hard time letting go of it or either that, they have the same issues as I do, you know, right. so I'm like implying that a lot. I think that again, it just, it's helpful to just be able to talk to someone before I send that over, you know, do you think you come from a mindset of scarcity? I definitely do. I definitely do. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it just, it's not going to be enough. And it's, yeah. um, and I know that many people have that, but mm-hmm. I also know there are many people that come from a place of, Oh, there's always, Always going to be enough. How do you think you change that? How do you change it? Well, I think for me, traveling was a real big um, shift in my my belief system. And I I talk about this a lot. Um, When I went to Africa and I was in um, Tanzania Mm -hmm. and people were very happy and I couldn't process this. Mm -hmm. Wait wait a minute. You only make $100 a year. You can't. You can't be happy. And, and that, that trip was a real, um, it really messed with my mind. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so for me, I've really started to come to appreciate that it's about experiences. It's about the connection. Um, and although I still struggle with my worth mm-hmm. as my accomplishments, um, I- I've really, really been letting that go for the most part. I mean, it'll creep back in. Mm-hmm. Um, but really actually looking out about what makes me happy and actually what fuels my passion. Like if I find it fun and interesting and I'm laughing, mm-hmm. if I find myself laughing and singing to myself, it's good. Yeah. If I'm not doing those things, I want to get out. Yeah. And and so it, it's been a long process. Yeah. It didn't happen overnight. Um, but money is not my driving uh, decision maker. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll walk away from something if I feel like I'm going to hurt somebody or if it doesn't feel like integrity. Yeah. Um, then it's not as important. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy money. I enjoy what it brings. I enjoy riding on a first class <laughs> plane <laughs> ticket. Um, but it's not. I'd rather go without it if it means uh, like having to sell myself. Yeah. Yep. I can relate to that. Yeah. That's relatable. That's that relatable? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard. It's hard because we do have those mindsets and then, you know, I, I'm, I know that gender plays a role for mm-hmm. me. Like, oh, I have to pay for everything always mm-hmm. and I have to be like, I'm successful. I can take – that's why I didn't want to get a nice car for the longest time. I didn't want to have to give the extra money as a tip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People are like, well, you could, you're driving a fancy car. You could afford $5. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I just want to give you a dollar. Um, I, even that's kind of weird. You know, and I, I don't assume that if I meet somebody and it's kind of a, a date situation or if it or really is a date situation because we're meeting off an app, I don't assume that that person's paying for me. And I don't, and it's a interesting, you know, I don't want to offend them if that, if, if it's important to them to do it, but I also don't like, I know how hard I work for my money and I like, I, I respect that they do too, you know, even right. without knowing that. And so I will always offer, I will always offer to pay or, you know, to split it or, uh, it's weird, but I, but I know cause her role, like the roles between male and female and heterosexual relationships are so messed up. I, Right now that uh, it's very confusing for people. And and the only thing that we actually can do is actually talk about it right. or learn. I, I actually think we can learn from the queer community. I think mm-hmm. the queer community does such a great job and they've had to of like have having like before it gets weird conversations and, you know, and, and just talking because it, it, it's different. They're dealing with different things. Right. Right. There's no think, normative there. No. Yeah. I, I think heterosexual people need to learn. And I really believe that. I actually yeah. believe that. I think that, that there's some, some learning there that could happen, but yeah, I don't assume that the man needs to pay. Yeah. But I don't want to hurt his feelings either. Right. Don't hurt the ego. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, let me ask you this. Um, what is the footprint you want to leave? Um, what's the legacy you want to leave with the work that you're doing? Um, your belief in yeah. relatability and community. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel very strongly about what I'm going to say. I believe that we're at a point that we need to have a relating practice in the same way that we work out our bodies at the gym. And I believe that there should be like a corner franchise that you can go maybe – let off some aggression, maybe throw something at the wall and let it break and be able to sit down in a room one-on-one or with a group of people and talk it out um, or practice new different, new 
ways to communicate. Like I believe that how we are connecting and talking to each other is so underutilized and people are struggling to find love, you know, find business partners uh, that because we're not talking to each other, we are not relating. So I want my legacy to be a part of that, like to actually see a franchise, you know, something that, that it, it becomes the norm, that we accept that, that this is what we need to do. Uh, I think a lot of our issues that were, you know, that, that are concerning our, you know, that we see in the world, like would um, be uh, easier to solve if people are communicating. I mean, if you watch any of the impeachment trials, like what is happening? It's These insane. people do not know how to communicate with each other. Yeah. I mean, it's just so disgusting to watch. Like, like what has happened? <laughs> like, well, and it's interesting that you say that because like, I think of myself and for years, um, I could barely say my name in front of a group of people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people look at me now and they go, really? Cause yeah. you never shut up. But, um, I, literally if I had to say my name and where I was from, I would have such extreme anxiety. Mm-hmm. I only knew how to interact with my family, um, and clients one-on-one. Yeah. But in terms of you put more than three or four people in a room and I became, you know, I couldn't speak. I stuttered. I was. And here's the thing that 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 solves that really. Like we were, we we've put so much emphasis on what we're going to say, but honestly, communication is like asking questions. Like if you go into a room and you ask really amazing questions and you let other people talk, they're going to remember how cool you were right. without knowing anything about you because right. you made them feel good. Like, right. like because we all we're all a little bottled up with like I I wish people knew this about me. You know, like I love asking. What is your attention right now? I love asking that question. And sometimes you're like, what? what do you, but no, I'm like, really, what, what has your attention right now? That tells me exactly where you are. If you're in this room with me or not, you know, what you care about. It's a great question to ask people. And, and if you can expand on that and ask, like, why do you feel that way? Why are you connected to that? Ask why questions like it, you know, it connects us. Yeah, I for me, um, I agree with that. And it's for me, I'm always getting curious.